All right, you may be seated. And good morning. Let's open up our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. Aren't you thankful that God gave you the breath of life today? We live in a time and a season where every gift, every day, excuse me, is a gift of God's grace that we surely don't want to take for granted. And especially this Lord's Day of having a Sunday that we can gather as God's people. He's given us a beautiful place that we can hear the word of God and God's word changing us from the inside out. So we'll be in Mark chapter 3 today as we continue looking at the gospel of our servant Savior. And we know that our servant Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. The question I want to start with today is how do we respond in the midst of adversity and trials and tribulations in our lives? I could ask each of you to raise your hand if you've ever had a trial or tribulation. And we would all raise our hand, probably even this week. All of us have faced something that was difficult. Do we just throw up our hands and simply quit? We probably all have either thought that, or to some extent, we probably all have done that. Of different things in our life where we're like, you know what, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do and I, I'm just done. Do we become passive? Well, nothing just seems to work. I won't try that again. And we just kind of steer away from whatever the situation is. Or maybe we get angry. We get angry at God. We get angry at others. We get angry at our circumstances. And we respond that way. And over time, we become bitter of the things that we are having to face. I don't have to tell you guys, life is hard. We live in a fallen world, and each and every day is a struggle. But I also want you to hear this morning that we have hope. We have confident hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who's the resurrection and the life. He has defeated death and sin and hell and the grave, and we can look to Christ through whatever it is that we are facing. So we've seen in the first two chapters of Mark, our servant Savior, Jesus Christ, facing different adversities, different struggles. We've seen the religious leaders coming against him. You know, G Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath and them saying that you, Jesus, you can't do that. That that was somehow wrong. And Jesus being rejected, Jesus being despised, even though all he is doing is simply loving God and loving others. In Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, we looked at a few weeks ago, Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees leave that particular meeting, that gathering there in the synagogue, and they are ready to murder Jesus. So today and next week, we're going to look at, well, how did Jesus respond to such hostility, 
to such hatred, to such conflict of this adversity that was in his life. And so I'm just telling you today that when you face things in your life, we have a Lord and Savior that understands. He sympathizes with our weaknesses and the temptations and the struggles that we face. I may not understand, but Jesus understands. And not only does he understand, he has the power to help us with whatever it is we may be facing. Because he cares, and he knows, and he loves, and he is the Son of God. So this morning, we're going to read from Mark chapter 3, verses 7 through 21. And then we'll pray together. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed in, excuse me, pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain, and he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Monongides, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him for they were saying he is out of his mind. All right, let's pray together. God, we need your word today like never before. By your grace this morning, we understand that your word is truth and that your word is living and active. And Father, just the reading of your word right then, it's powerful. God, your word accomplishes what you set it out to accomplish. And so that's my prayer today, that Father, you would simply speak through the power and the authority of your word, that you would bring dead hearts to life, that today would be the day of salvation for one, whether here in the midst of this place or via the internet. And then, Father, for those of us in the faith, that your word would comfort us today and encourage us and convict us and transform us and sanctify us from the inside out. Father, would you be merciful? Would you be gracious to do that today? in each of our hearts. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray, amen. So when you look back at verse seven today, our first truth 
is simply when we think about Jesus and the busyness of life and the adversities of life, what we see Jesus doing is he took the time to withdraw with his disciples. Jesus took the time to withdraw with his disciples. Now, again, when you think back to verses 1 through 6, it was the Sabbath. Jesus had been to the synagogue. He probably had preached there, and he taught there, and he healed the man with the withered hand. And so now we're probably in the afternoon. And when you look at verse 7, we see that Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Don't miss that. The word withdrew means he moved away from a location to a different location of a considerable distance. So he probably was there in Capernaum at the synagogue, and now he goes to a different part of the Sea of Galilee, and he's going to be alone. It probably was to be a time of rest, a time of prayer, a time to be with the disciples, to teach them, to encourage them. This was a pattern in the life of Jesus. So I want you to think this morning when you face adversities and you face trials and tribulations, it is good for us to go and sit before the Father or to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to pray, to go to the Word. Look at Mark 1.35. This is a pattern in the life of Jesus. In Mark 1.35, it was another uh, Sabbath day, and he had performed many miracles and many healings. And after a very long day, verse 35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Do you have a place in your life? that you can just be alone with the Father? Just spending time in the Word and spending time in prayer. I know for me, I'm thankful for early mornings just to be able to sit at my kitchen table and just spend time in the Word and to spend time in prayer. I, I, I can't tell you the number of times of waking up and just worry and anxiety and despair and, Lord, I just don't know. I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting and just spending time in the word and God encouraging my heart and strengthening me by his grace and his love. I would not be standing before you today if it wasn't for God's grace and consistently spending time in the word and in prayer. Amen. I think for all of you that are believers, you understand what I'm getting at. Look at Psalms 119, 23 and 24. You know, we don't just see this pattern in the life of Jesus. We see this throughout the scriptures, and in this case, we'll see it with the psalmist. In Psalms 119, verses 23 and 24, he says, Even though princes sit plotting against me, so there's adversity. Your servant will do what? Will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. 
we live in a world, we live in a time when we think we have to go to this place and we need to go to this person and this is the psychology that we need or whatever, you can fill in the blank. But verse 24 is telling us that God's word should be our delight and his word is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. God's word is sufficient. Who would you rather have counsel you this morning? Jesus. There's nobody greater. And yet we go about our days trying to do life on our own or the ways of the world. And I'm just telling you this morning that Jesus, in the midst of all of the adversities, he took time to withdraw, to be with the Father, and to be with his disciples, to encourage them to spend time in the Word, and to spend time in prayer. And if Jesus took the time to do that, who are we to think that we could go about life and not do that? That would be foolishness on our part. You know, Pastor Doug, I was recently reading through the book of Acts, and I know you'll get to this, but over and over they're facing trials and there's riots in the streets. There's this mob mentality and Christians are suffering. And you know what they always do? You see it over and over in the book of Acts. They spend time together in prayer and they spend time together in the word. Aren't you thankful this morning for midweek Bible studies, for connect groups? I love being with my brothers on Wednesday night. And I know the ladies would say the same of being with their, their sisters in the Lord on Thursday night and all the other different connect groups. I know there's lots of connection points and we've got the youth connect group and we got kids connect and we've you know, got the keepers. I mean, there's just so many opportunities for us as a church family. Not that you have to be at everything, but to know that we need that encouragement from one another. You know, when you go back to Mark chapter 3 and verse 7, it says he withdrew with the disciples to the sea. You know, I was reading in Robert Coleman's book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, and he simply said, men were to be his method of winning the world to God. There's no plan B, plan C. God's called us to be men and women of the gospel, to make disciples. And so Jesus had these 12 that he called initially, that he spent time with them and he loved them and he taught them and he's ultimately going to send them out. We'll see that more next week. Guys, this is the plan. Spend time in the word, spend time in prayer, spend time with one another so that we can move forward together in the gospel of building his kingdom. Now, you probably all have had this happen. You go to spend time alone with the Lord or you go to spend time alone with your or with your brothers and sisters and life is busy, right? And things happen. There's emergencies and there's trials and when you look at verse 7, the second half, here's what happens in this case. A great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea. And then in verse 8, in Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. So Jesus went to this kind of desolate place to be alone. And guess what? They just kept coming. 
the crowds were coming. Jesus was becoming very popular. Now that doesn't that wasn't his heart's desire. It wasn't about a popularity contest, but Jesus, because of the great things he was doing, of preaching with power and authority and healing the sick, people just kept coming. Jesus was looking to be alone with the disciples, and yet it doesn't happen. You know, when you look at all those different places, if you took a first century map, you know where the people were coming from? From the north, from the south, from the east, and from the west. Everywhere. Jews. Gentiles, people from all walks of life. I mean, thousands upon thousands were coming to see Jesus, to touch Jesus, to hear from Jesus. So the next time you think your life is super busy, which sometimes I, I think that of myself, think about Jesus. All the responsibilities, all the people that would constantly come before him. So there in verse 8, you know, they hear of all that he is doing. He's casting out demons. He's casting out evil spirits. He's healing the sick and the preaching and all these things. And we're going to see here in a minute to the point where they're about to crush him. I thought about if you could think of it in today's time, we know that we're facing a, a very difficult thing with this virus. You know, as Pastor Jim prayed earlier, it would be like if somebody was walking among us and they had the cure for COVID and everybody knew that this person had the cure for COVID, what would happen? That person would be mobbed. I mean, they, everybody would want to be wherever that person was. Well, this is how it was for Jesus as he's walking on the earth. Everybody was beginning to understand Jesus had the power to heal. And so everybody wanted to be where Jesus was. It's interesting, in the midst of all this, Jesus is fulfilling prophecy from one of the uh, suffering servant songs that we see in the book of Isaiah. Turn to Isaiah 49, 5 and 6. Isaiah chapter 49 verses 5 and 6. And so this is one of those servant songs about the Messiah. And here's what it says. And now the Lord says, He who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, and that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has become my strength. And so it was Israel would be brought back to God. And then in verse 6, he says, it is, too, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And so Jesus is fulfilling that. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. And he's drawing all men to himself. He's ushering in the kingdom of God as he's walking here on the earth. Romans 10, 12, and 13 says this. There's no distinction between Jew and Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. 
For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so this morning, it's the same. The gospel call, the good news of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, forgiveness that we can have through his work on the cross, the penalty of our sin being paid for. It, the gospel call is going out, and you can respond today. You can say, yes, I need Christ. I need forgiveness. Yes, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I understand that you are the Lord. You are master and that you died to set me free from my sin. I can have eternal life. So just as Jesus was ministering to the people then, through his word, through the spirit, he's ministering to his people today. And now we come to verse 9. Back in Mark chapter 3 and verse 9. It says, And Jesus, he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him, or the King James says, lest they throng him. It literally means to come in hard against. I don't know if you guys have ever been in like a tight place. I remember being at some sporting events and you're like squashed in like a sardine and you're wondering, am I going to get ran over in this instance? It's probably hard for us to visualize, but there by the sea, the people are coming in droves to the point like, look, hey, just Jesus says, just in case, if it looks like they're going to trample me, which I mean, Jesus being the son of God, he could have stopped that. But in his humanity of if they're going to crush me, have a boat ready out in the water because I may need to get into the boat to continue teaching and preaching the gospel. I mean, th this was this was a massive event. You're talking thousands and thousands of people in verse 10. It goes on to say, he had healed many. So by this time, he had already healed many. So that all, I mean, think about that. All who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. That word pressed means to push against, to literally fall upon him. Everyone who had a sickness, everyone who had a disease wanted to touch Jesus. Because they felt like if I can just get to the Jesus, like the woman with the issue of blood, if I can just touch his garment, I will be made well. That's the scene. That's what's going on. Now let's transition to the second truth this morning. So we've seen in the midst of all this, the busyness and the hostility from the religious leaders that Jesus took the time to be alone with the Father and with his disciples. And the second truth we're going to see is Jesus took the time to show love and compassion to people. Jesus took the time to show love and compassion to people. Even in the midst of all of the hatred and the hostility that we've seen throughout the pages of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus continued to love people and to meet their needs. I, mean, I want you to think about it this morning. Some of the people that are gathering around could have very well been the same people that in a very, very near future, they will be yelling out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. 
And yet Jesus doesn't turn these people away. They're not all there for the right reason to follow Jesus, to worship Jesus. They simply want to be healed. And yet Jesus ministers to this great crowd of people. I want you to think this morning, are you willing to love people expecting absolutely nothing in return? To just simply love people for the glory of God? Are we willing to love our enemies? To do good to those who hate us? To bless those who curse us? And to pray for those who abuse us? Because you see, Christians, if we're only going to love people to get something in return, or we're only going to love people that basically love us back or are good to us, that's not Christianity. The world can do that. Christians are called to extend the love and the truth of Christ to all people, regardless of their background, regardless of their beliefs, regardless of how they respond. And by the way, this would include our family members. This would include our co-workers. This would include our neighbors. Pastor Jim, this would include the unreached people groups around the world. Now maybe we never meet this side of heaven, but we care. We care about their souls. And so we pray and we give and we support missionaries that go because the two great commandments are what, guys? Love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, which Jesus is modeling for us, and to love your neighbor as yourself. In the midst of all this hostility and conflict that we see in our world today, Christians, don't forget that. Even though somebody's political views may be whacked out and completely opposite of what they should be, don't forget we still are called and commanded to share the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. You know, it's interesting. You probably... I think you've seen this in your life if you're a Christian. You know what happens the more you grow in loving God, spending time with God? You know what naturally happens? You begin to grow in your love for others. So if you're like, yeah, I really am struggling to love other people. Spend time with the Lord. Spend time in the Word. And it will, it will really help you to love other people in your life. You know what else happens? The more you love and the more you care, you know what else will happen in your life? The busier you're going to get. Because <laughs> ministry is messy. People are messy. I'm messy. You're messy. You know, I had a conversation from a, uh, with a friend from Japan last night. Technology is amazing. I don't really like technology. I struggle with it. But able to have a conversation with somebody you know, thousands of miles away and... It was just your know, life, just stuff being shared and the messiness of life. But yet, in that, there was the confident hope of, of Christ and the truth of his word. Sufficient for me, sufficient for him, sufficient for you know, the one that we were praying about. This morning... And I know Pastor Doug has been challenging us to share the gospel with at least one person 
uh, this week as far as the guys. You need to understand, in this picture that we see here, or this scene of the life of Jesus, it was intense. And there was a lot of sacrifice that if you're going to love people, if you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some dying to self, whatever that may look like. I mean, you got to process and pray through that in your own life. Now, sadly, in this particular scene of ministry, when we come to verses 11 and 12, you know who had the best understanding of who Jesus was at this point in time? When we think about the masses of people and this other group of the unclean spirits or the evil spirits, we're going to see the evil spirits actually understood better of who Jesus was than all these crowds of people that were gathering around him. Kind of crazy. Look at verse 11. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, you are the son of God. So there's these evil spirits that are in the midst of this situation. They fall down before Jesus. So they're recognizing his authority and they are crying out, you are the son of God. He, they understand who the one true God is. They understand who Jesus is. James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe that there's one true God and they shudder. They understand this truth. So again, imagine the craziness of this scene. The disciples are there. They've got the boat ready. The crowds are coming in. They're pressing. They're about to crush Jesus. you got evil spirits crying out. You are the Son of God. I mean, there would have been a, a chaos to this. That's what life looks like sometimes. Older people, you'll remember, it's kind of crazy, some of the stuff you remember from your childhood. So back in the 1980s, yes, I was a child in the 1980s. There was a commercial, the old Calgon bubble bath commercial. Does anybody remember that? Mr. Bill, Mr. Vaughn, you, you remember the, the old Calgon commercial? Yep, okay. You know, it's talking about all the traffic and the boss and the kids are screaming and there's something wrong with the dog and all these things are happening in life and we all can relate to that. And she's like, you just need the Calgon bubble bath. Calgon, take me away. That, you know, Calgon is going to fix all of your problems. But it doesn't work that way, does it? You know, sometimes we think, you know, I just need to change the scenery. If I just get a vacation or if I just do this, then everything's going to be fine. And then you come back and life is still hard. But instead... 1 Peter 2.21 says this, and he's talking about how to live in the midst of suffering adversity. Here's what Peter says, for to this you have been called. Did you catch that? Christians, to this you have been called. Life is hard. He goes on to say, because Christ also suffered for you. Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he hasn't already done. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. That we would be empowered by the spirit of Christ. And so I, I'm wanting you to see this morning the steps of Jesus 
He withdrew to be alone with the Father. He withdrew to be with the disciples. And then he also extended love, care, and compassion to those that were in need. And now we all have to pray and wrestle through that of a healthy balance, right? Every day, every week, what does it look like of being with our Christian family, our quiet time or personal devotion time with the Lord, and then being out in the midst of the chaos, okay? So you can't go, well, you know what? I'm just going to spend time with my Christian family, spend time with the Lord, and that's it. That's my Christian life. I'm good to go. I check the boxes. Woo! How are you going to make disciples of all nations if you don't engage with people? Or we could say, you know what? I'm just going to be out and about, and I'm going to be with people, and I'm going to be loving them, and I'm going to be doing this, and I'm going to be doing that. And then you know what happens? You burn out because you're trying to do it in your own strength and your own power and your own ability. You won't last. And so every day we have to pray and we have to go before the Lord. And we all have to wrestle with that. Of what does it look like? We can't do everything, so don't hear me say that, okay? But God's called us to go out into a lost and dying world. And before I move on and wrap up, can I ask you guys, if you, if you don't already, and I'm sure many of you do, please pray for me. Because that's about how I feel every single day. <laughs> Lord, only by your grace am I going to make it through another day. I mean, I don't process through stuff with a lot of different people. Talk with Mandy. Talk with Pastor Doug. It's hard, guys. You know, teaching, coaching, dad, husband, pastor, right? For all of us. I, I'm just telling you, I'm being transparent. It's hard. So if you're struggling this morning, when you look around, unless somebody's like three, four, five years old, they're probably struggling. And the parents would say, well, we're struggling with those three, four and five year olds, right? So it's, this is life and we need one another and we need the word. Now, finally, in verse 12, Jesus wraps this up. He strictly ordered them not to make him known. So he speaks to these unclean spirits. And he's like, now is not the time. You know, Jesus hadn't come to be a political figure. He hadn't come to win a, a popularity contest. He hadn't come to simply heal people physically, even though he did do that. You know why Jesus came? He came to fulfill the will of the Father. He came to usher in the kingdom of God. He came to redeem or to save a people for himself. All that repent and believe in Christ. And nothing or no one was going to stop Jesus from accomplishing the plan. And Jesus knew the cross was coming. It wasn't about him being crowned at king, as king right now. It wasn't about him overthrowing the Romans, you know, putting the Jews in a position of power. And that's why he tells them, look, verse 12, he orders them, he commands them not to make him known. It wasn't time yet. Christ had come 
to ultimately die and then to be resurrected and then to ascend, to sit at the right hand of the Father and then to come back one day for his people. I ask you this morning, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone to save you? Church, are we being about the gospel, the kingdom of God? Everything that we do, Pastor Jim, everything that we do should have a purpose. It should have a meaning. And the purpose is the glory of God and the furtherance of the gospel. And we should always be examining where we're at as a church, right? Because we're always reforming. We're always being sanctified, becoming more and more like Christ together. Christians, my brothers and sisters, your purpose as you go out this week is to love God and to love others. Do that this week. And Christian, no matter how hard things may get in the future, because, I mean, we really don't know, the marching orders never change. Love God and love others. May we do that for the glory of God. Let's all stand and we'll pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the example that we were able to see this morning. That you are the Son of God, the Savior, the Messiah that you came to save your people from their sin. And Jesus, you modeled for us of the importance of spending time with the Father, spending time with the disciples of the training and the equipping, and then spending time with the people, those that were lost and dead in sin and Christ needed you regardless of what their motives were. Christ, you ministered to the people. And so, Father, would you help us as a church to be about the gospel, spend time in the word, that we would desire your word and we would love our time together. And then, Father, you would help us in the the struggles and the busyness and the adversities of life to continue to live out the gospel with our families and our friends and co-workers and all the situations of life that can get so hard. God, only by your grace can we do that. And so we ask all these things in the name of Christ. Amen. If you guys will remain standing. We'll worship the Lord through song.